Blog Talk Radio. I'm, I'm, oh, you know, right. I'm okay. Uh, you know, and um, 
that's that's the stuff I can mention on the air. Plus, there's there's things like a friend of mine that I'm doing work for. His mother's in critical condition on a ventilator, and you know, just mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I mean, last year for my birthday, my 20 year old cat died. Well, just you know, out of the blue, I remember and all that. kinds of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. well, he picks out your birthday. He picks out the, uh, and I'm waiting to see what kind of a new year we have. Maybe you know, maybe the UFOs will land. <laughs> well, and, it's going to be. And they bizarre. really will have a cookbook with them. You, you know, I am watching what's going on with the con- with the conservative with the Republicans, uh, everything that's going on right now. And I tell you. Uh, nobody seems to have an answer for what happened at the end of the year with them passing the but pretty much giving away the store. Um, and I, you know, Barry, I, I, one of the financial analysts, uh, did a summary on it the other night. He said that he said watch the numbers. He said you, he said watch the numbers of things. He said their money went up five percent in one month alone. He said, and watch the sales for retail and watch some things like that. He said, you're seeing all this chaos all over the place because they don't want you to see how damn much money they're making. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that's part of it. And, and uh, you know, as I've worked along throughout all of this, doing these shows and doing the various articles and watching what's happening, uh, the one thing that I can draw a conclusion to is the fact that things are not what they seem in America. They just aren't. And so No, it's a bunch of smoke and mirrors and and I and uh did you ever watch The Wizard of Oz? Yes, I did as a child. I haven't seen it. Remember at the very end of it that he's he's yelling at him and pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. <laughs> right. You know, the one pulling the levers and all that. Right? Yeah. That's exactly what's going on. Well, that's that's what I've come to to believe myself, and and you know I I can't get over now. Remember that article uh, that I did uh, some time ago about After America? It was a few weeks ago, and uh, it, it, the, the the information in there is 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 pretty compelling. Okay, but it's too much for most people to be able to stomach some of the things that I was saying in there, uh, because uh, it's not that they're fantastic. It's just that. It's unnerving when you read what I wrote and 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 sort of take in. It's almost unacceptable. You can't accept it because if you do accept those facts, then you know that things are so terribly wrong that there may not be. That it's going to be hard to fix this. We may be at what the the point of event horizon where we cannot get out of the gravitational pull. And the, the remarkable thing is is some of these articles do crazy. I'm going to go through a few of them the top ones here so we can so those of you who listen to the show and read conservative refocus regularly and i will publish an article on this as well but i do have the guts down for it i just haven't really i haven't had a chance to write it there's been so many things going on uh at the year end that i just simply haven't had a chance i've been writing some articles in the news and of course running a regular news articles which has been going pretty crazy here lately we'll go through that as we get through the show but what I was going to say, uh, Lee, was when you get to the After America article, which was just it was it was um, amazing in the information that it contained and what it was saying, and 
you know, the, the funny thing, it did really well on the one hand if we just look at it um, on the basis of conservative refocus throughout its history. But when you look at it from the viewpoint of what other articles have done, it wasn't that well. And so I'm looking at it going, well, you know, it was at the time of year. Uh, I don't think it was any of that. I think it was, uh, Lee, I don't think people really can accept it. What would you say? Because you know all about this. Well, there is a psychological ploy that NSA and all of the government uses that and this it sounds ridiculous but it works just about every time. I said when you got something you need to do try to make it into the most absurd insane unholy mess that you can ever make it, and nobody will ever believe it. They'll ignore it totally, and you just go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. And look, because nobody will ever believe the story, everybody will just say, "Ah, you're crazy. You're, you're just stupid. That there ain't that ain't never going to happen. It's not true." And in the whole t- the whole process, it is true. Mm-hmm. It may not be exactly true the way you leaked it. But it's true, the story is true, and you get away with it completely because nobody will even look at it. Nobody will even consider it. You just no, well, hype I, it. And I, I believe you're absolutely right about that. And and the story, I mean, if we if we follow the the Obama timeline, and really I would say that the only people that are truly following this and looking at it with somewhat of a critical eye is a conservative movement, the Tea Party types, the ones who do, who don't have, who no longer have the scales over their eyes, as you once put it to me. Those people that can see clearly what's going on because they have been <clears throat> allowed to see it. And what would you say to that, Lee, to the people that, and, and ladies it's, and gentlemen, you know who I'm talking about. Your friends, it's too your family scary members. For, for most people, Barry? It is just too scary for most people to allow themselves to realize that the country has been taken over by an entity that we don't we don't even know who took it. We're not even sure who's got us. But it's right. You know, we may see the blob roll into the theater if we go there. You know, who knows? We may see we may see the beast come out of the of the ocean, but well, something I mean, where we seem to be is going out. on. It, we're, you know, we're not in charge anymore. Well, let me run through some of these things, and this is in that article after America. I just want to, you know, there we have the preface and sort of the introduction, which we talked about, but the connectivity of this is when you look at it um, with regard to nationalized mandatory health care now. I listened to this guy who really shouldn't be on the Rush Limbaugh show. I'm sorry to say that, Buck Sexton today. And uh, he was just amazing me at really uh, such informed ignorance coming out of his mouth. I, really, I mean, and this guy's high up in the blaze. And he forever irritates me. And it's, I don't think it's envy. Although I, I asked him, I said, am I just being envious because, you know, you know and, no, Barry, I don't think that's it because I can't stand this guy either. And there's just something about him that I don't like. And I'm sorry, Buck, but... You know, he was he basically made the point that Obamacare was not a, a nationalist mandated health care, which is precisely what it is. 
they are just using the proxies of private insurance companies to administer the plan that they, ladies and gentlemen, are controlling from every point of connectivity. Every bit of it is controlled by the U.S. government, and there is a reason for that. And Buck Sexton came out, and I'm so, I shouldn't be, you know, I shouldn't be, um, what, lining this guy out, but I can't help it. I was so irritated. He had one very erudite caller call in, and I'm like listening. I'm going, wow, this guy's good. He really knows his stuff. Um, because he was putting he was putting forth a point on everything that is happening right now. And after he made his point, Sexton looked at it and said, well, you know, uh, I'll answer your question. I said, you idiot, he didn't ask you the question. He was making a statement. And you don't know how to respond to it because you're not really, I don't, I don't, I would, he's conservative, but he's really not in he the, I don't know. Barry, he wasn't listening to him. No, he I was don't think he was. Of his dogma to to respond to it. That's that's the mentality. Don't ever listen to and answer what somebody asks you. Don't you dare ever answer the question they ask. Respond with dogma only. Well, and that's precisely what happened. And I was like, you know, really, he should have. I, you know, had the caller call into me, I would just let him go because I'm like, wow, this guy really knows this stuff. You know, they, these guys, these pundits who are in charge of these shows in many cases, they have to play somebody who knows more than everybody else. They have to sort of play that role. When, in, when you know, the, ladies and gentlemen, there are so many things that you can learn from so many people, uh, the, the details about something maybe you haven't been paying attention to but somebody else has. And and that's what got me. Uh, so you know, and Sexton's okay. He knows his stuff about foreign policy. I'll give him that. But I tell you, I don't think he knows much about anything with regard to domestic policy. What's actually going on in the United States? I know he's an ex-CIA guy. Hey, I'm an ex-operations specialist from the Navy. You don't hear me say that very often. He says it every time he gets on there. Uh, but anyway, it, it's just the point um, that. I I I just I'm I'm agog at how much attention this guy gets uh because he's former CIA and foreign policy but what really irritates me because there's a lot of guys that I love to listen to uh Beck is one of them I love that when Beck starts in on one of his um uh, a bit of profit profiteering I suppose you could not profiteering but prophesizing uh, because he's very good at seeing down the road. He's been very accurate. I love listening to Limbaugh. I love Hannity. I love listening to you know Kelly's news shows. There are a bunch of them out there that I enjoy. I love Levin. Uh, Buck Sexton, you are not one of them. I'm sorry. So anyway, but let me get into this, because it, it, it speaks to Yeah, what did we get on our list? Yeah, it's uh, national mandatory health care is what we have in the United States, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the money that is coming into and being funded into all of these insurance companies, the subsidizing, is coming straight from the U.S. government, which you know where that comes from, ladies and gentlemen. That comes from you, the taxpayer. Okay, So all of this money goes in. Now, yes, they get their premium payments, but the premium payments are not no, nowhere nearly enough Okay, to cover the excessive cost of these programs that, that are running in all of these uh, uh, health insurance companies. So they have to be the funding, the subsidizing comes from the federal government, and to a lesser degree, to some degree, it does come from regular middle class people who are being screwed up the ass uh, by the Obamacare plan. Now uh, there are some out there who have been paying thirty dollars a month. They're you know they're doing great. 
but then you have the others that are paying 1300 a month, okay? And see, what, what we have here is a vast, epic, sort of stealthy style of redistribution going on uh, between a, sort of a triangle setup between the federal government, the health insurance companies, and you, the taxpayer. This is a social justice redistribution scheme, making it nationalized mandatory health care, but with a bit of a, what, a fascist edge to it, because it's using private industry in conjunction, crony conjunction, with the federal government to get it done. And it is going to be a nightmare. Uh, it already is. It's just not so many people are signing up. But as I stated much earlier, and as Lee, you know, we, we've both talked about this enough, uh, but down the road, this is going to get far, far worse, and it's going to become so expensive. And you see, this is going back to Bonnier. Bonnier, who I hope is ousted as a speaker. Most conservatives at this point uh, hate Bonnier worse than they do Harry Reid, okay, <laughs> because he's a turncoat, quite frankly. And his, his leadership position could be uh, in peril. We don't know yet. There, there, is one, there was one congressman, we have the story in CR, uh, they, they, are, they are looking at a possible revolt in the House come Tuesday. Uh, whether or not this happens, you see, the problem with it is that once these uh, congressmen, these conservative congressmen get together, uh, they're going to be on the outs of the leadership um, once they, they, they sort of try their revolt. And the leadership will do all sorts of nasty things to them uh, as a result. And so that's what makes these guys even braver. But you know what? You don't go to Washington for the status quo. You're going representing the voters who hired you. Okay? So I would say that all of these individuals, including Steve Scalise, you know, that's the guy uh, from Louisiana. He is a Republican. He is the House Majority Whip, number three in leadership position of the House. He came out and did a speech um, back in '02. That was 12 years ago, Lee, uh, to a white supremacist group. Okay, and uh, it, it's interesting that it's only coming out right now. <laughs> so I don't know who the who who ha he has pissed off. Okay, but he has pissed off someone uh, to to let this go. I don't think this was just a recent discovery. So we don't know. Maybe it's a conservative. That, you oh, know I'm what? I'm getting sick of this. We're going to weaken John Bonnier because we know John Bonnier is going to go come out and back his leadership team, and that's what it looks like to me. It looks like one of the conservatives. Who, who is a very smart, probably a Ted Cruz type, and they, perhaps it was Ted Cruz, I don't know, I'm just saying that, I have no idea, uh, who, was, who was sort of helping his congressional uh, colleagues. But the best way to weaken John Bonnier is specifically through something like this. And sure enough, John Bonnier came out in support of Scalise. Okay? So now John Bonnier is sort of associating himself with a man who will get up and speechify in front of a bunch of racists, okay? And, um, you know, that's, that's the, right now that's really bad juju. Now, this could have come from the left. I don't know. But the interesting thing is that, is, is that John Bonnier once again has come out in support of Scalise, who has now been sort of featured as a racist because he spoke with a racist group. Uh, now, see, the issue here is if you were white, uh, then you were automatically racist, uh, if you speak to a racist group. Now, you see uh, the NAACP, which is a racist group. There is no doubt about it. It's just a very racist liberal group. Uh, on the other side, the black side, uh, Obama and the, the DOJ leader can go out and talk to them until they're blue in the face, and it's always just fine and wonderful. But you get the, the flip side reverse effect 
where you get a white congressman go out and talk to a caucus of individuals, a club, who are dedicated to you know white interests, let's say, and uh, it, it becomes a uh, a spectacle, a debacle, and it, it weakens those people in the positions. Now, look, I mean, me personally, I wouldn't go out and talk to a racist group as a congressman. I'll just tell you straight up, I don't believe in the Ku Klux Klan or any of that. Uh, what I do believe in is everybody in America is the same. I don't believe in all of this racist bullshit. I've seen too many black billionaires in America. I've seen too many black millionaires in America, uh, and I see them all around me here in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I'm not one of those people, uh, I, I don't see race, per se, uh, unless they want me to see it, unless they're protesting on the basis of race out in front of, uh, in Ferguson, rioting and looting. Yes, then, I cannot help it. I see race. I'll just be honest, because that's what is uh, sort of fueling the fire of all of this, and it was as orchestrated by Obama. You know, Lee, when I looked down there, and uh, there was that one particular photograph <clears throat> that was taken by an individual. He was an ex-Navy sailor, ex-Navy guy, uh, and he was a, 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 uh, a worker for the Drury Hotel System, and he had to come out and snap a photo uh, in the parking deck of what seemed to be hundreds of DHS vehicles in Ferguson. And the question that has always sort of circulated that, that I've never quite figured out, Lee, is what were all those DHS cars doing there? I mean, what could they have possibly been doing? What would be your answer? Now, this was right in the height they of the Ferguson debacle. They what, stationed Andy? security, Barry, they stationed security people around all the classified UN locations. And they, plan, they they located quick response teams within. Mm -hmm. If you have a a location that is considered classified, you are obligated, and there is a there's a deal they set up with the police. If it is just sensitive, the police have got to to guarantee you a response of less than. Than ten minutes. If it is secret, they have to guarantee you a response of less than five minutes. And if there is anything top secret there, they have to put it on the first of the list that if there is an alarm given for that location, they have to be there if they have to run over five people getting but there. But Lee, how many? How many possibly? How how possibly many? Government buildings can uh, there have been that belong to the federal government with classified information in Ferguson, for heaven's sake. I mean, come on. Uh, we don't know. If there's a fusion <laughs> center there, I'll guarantee you they, they set up a lot of security around it. Now, okay, so explain fusion centers again. Fusion centers are the locations where the federal government, especially the the Homeland Security slash FBI slash NSA have set up key people to work with key community people mm -hmm. that they know and they're probably, you know, they do background checks and these people are recommended to them. You know, they might, who knows Basically, how they pick them. Community but they organizing. Community that, people yeah. to keep an eye on everybody else in the community. 
Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, a, a neighborhood watch on steroids. The only thing is, they report on their, all of their neighbors and all their business community right. every day. But but you know, all of, to to me, it, it it seemed as if what I may have been seeing with these hundreds, possibly hundreds of vehicles there, obviously teams of official federal government people. Right. It, it it seemed to me they may have been helping and roiling the community organizing going on. That's just the way it looked to me. And then when you had Obama call Al Sharpton in the office, it was leaked out. They're, they're, this is documented that uh, Obama indicated to Sharpton the question, um, are we on track in Ferguson? Now, he wasn't asking one of the officials, the police chief or, you know, some right. governor, mayor, he was he was asking a racist baiter, "Are we on track in Ferguson?" Al and Sharpton very, is a yeah. I'm not saying that it was a good thing that they were there <laughs> for. Yeah, okay. I'm not saying that at all. It may uh, have been a classified location the where they were provoking from. There we go. Okay, because that's what it looks like to me. Okay. I'm just saying. Um, this and if guy, anybody <laughs> had caught them at it, they would have burned them and the whole location to the ground. Well, they they did catch them at it. They took pictures, and as you know, I think they. No, I mean they, the lo- the actual thing that they were guarding or or were, working. Yeah, with. but but they, they they basically they fired this guy, and uh, I mean I don't know. I haven't gotten. I haven't been able to backtrack. Oh, on they the tore into him over that. Yeah, but you know, anyway. The the first thing within all of this, what we're seeing, this after America sort of debacle, I believe, that is going on right now, sort of a positioning. Um, the first thing that you need is to nationalize mandatory health care. Remember, that's what Hitler did first, okay? And that's what they've right. gotten. And, and do not listen to anybody that tells you that this is not nationalized mandatory health care, pretty much like what uh, Buck Sexton stated, because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. This is being controlled on every single level down to the person's taxes, for God's sake. Buck, you idiot. So, yes, this is mandatory uh, government nationalized health care, for God's sake, people. Um, And you, Buck, knows these people. Oh, it gives me a headache, Lee. So, anyway, so there you have, you've got the nationalized mandatory health care, but there's another step in this, and that is the stimulus. The stimulus is yet another example. It was designed to stimulate jobs, supposedly, in the wounded U.S. economy. Never did that, by the way. But what it did do was it it added another trillion dollars to baseline budgeting, okay? So um, that's each year. So, you see, in baseline budgeting, you always pick up the last, and it carries forth into the first uh, of the following year. So if if you will look at the budgets of each preceding year, you will see an extra trillion dollars there from less say from from Bush's time, and you've seen it yourself, haven't you, Lee? Yeah, it, the old deal is you you spend it down no matter where you have to get rid of it, right around September, because the new budget's coming out, and so they always give you the old budget plus a little bit more. And that old budget was already inflated. No, I know. And, and I now one. it's inflated a trillion dollars. Now, you yeah. you know, we uh, three shows ago we talked about the fact that they've got 
1.8 trillion dollars laying around in in the Fed right now. They're, they don't know what to do with it. They're afraid to do anything with it because they'll screw up. Yeah, exactly. But they and, and you know it's like, wait a minute, I'll take some. We're, you know. Yeah. They've I mean, got one point trillion dollars too much. And and that's the funny thing. But remember, like folks, the 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 once you add that trillion dollar trillion dollars in in two thousand nine. It gets added in each successive year, which is precisely what has happened. Each year. And and that's baseline budgeting in its very essence. You've got to start with what you ended with, okay? And so, but what this has achieved is is to push. And it's carried through with an inflation quote, inflation factor added to it. But the funny thing, too, is that you'll have liberals coming out, and this will explain this to some of you out there. You have the liberals coming out and say, well, look, he, he cut uh, $200 billion out of what he spent the year before <laughs> because he's got an extra trillion to pay with, all right? So if right. he cuts $200 billion, he's still spending $800 billion more. And that, see, this is one of the tools that they use because he's got and, and $3 trillion there. And, and listen, then he'll say, well, no, we didn't have a deficit. Uh, we didn't spend more than than we budgeted for. For God's sake, he budgeted for an extra trillion dollars from what they did previous years. Okay. And Barry, so, how can yeah. he do that? Because no one in their right mind would ever believe that he would pull such an insane load of crap, would they? But he's doing it. And and you know that's the, my point. What I you remember what I just said. Make it so yeah. absurd that nobody can ever you're absolutely you right. do it. You're absolutely right. It is totally absurd. But you don't see the media reporting it. And you don't see the Wall Street nope. types raising cane about it. No. You don't no. see it in the Wall Street you, Journal. <laughs> Are you kidding? Using that. They're stuffing it in their pockets too fast. <laughs> exactly. They're creating credits on the books. It, it, it surges into the stock markets. Exactly. And all of these all these rich guys who are funding Obama's and the Democrats' campaign and the Republicans. Okay, it's not just Obama. They they're 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 sort of bundling it and giving just a little bit back, and that little bit is a hell of a lot of money. Uh, and that's how they they make it happen. And remember, I mean, in D.C., uh, you know, it's not the Constitution, it's not the laws, it's not the legislation. It's not necessarily the power that 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 these guys get erections over up there and you know some of the congress women i don't i don't know i'm not even going to go there but the the point is maybe you know the the other anyway uh the point is it it's none of that really that that moves these people that they get crazy about but it it, it is one thing and that is funding money this is what these people this is what they live for up there i had this explained to me one time they drool over uh, it Yes, I mean this is this is what it's it's all about mammon. I mean, it, you know, as much money as they and then they can take that money and they jole it out and it looks like oh, that was a very good use of that money. It was effective. 
they get kickbacks from it, or they hire somebody, or they get a future job from it when they get ejected from their congressional seat right. or their Senate seat. Uh, you know, they've got a job waiting for them, so they're cool, they're good, and they're going to make a lot more money than they ever could have made. But you see, they got into the government in order to position themselves and to effect legislation that would help them in the future. This is how these people operate. But make no mistake, uh, when, it, when it's budgetary time, oh, man, I mean, this is like this is like Christmas for them, which basically it fell on Christmas. You saw when, uh, yeah. when Bonnier, yeah, when he passed this, and he gave up every bit of leverage. So in essence, um, what we are having just for right now, now I don't know if this is going to last, because Obama hates conservatism, despite the fact that these people – uh, are in many cases establishment progressives. They do have a conservative streak within them. Still, it's kind of like they haven't gone completely to the dark side. Okay, and, and they will, you know, they, they will push back on some issues, especially the ones that could lose them their seat. Okay, and when they push back, this is why Obama came out and said, "Well, you know, I can still use my veto pen." Well, he's never had to use it because Harry Reid has been his his little jester in the Senate from day one, when Nancy Pelosi has been his jesterette in the House. Well, now all of a sudden, the Senate and the House are controlled by Republicans, okay? And they've already given up all of their leverage. You see, back over the past five years, they've been just doing you know, just incremental uh, spending uh, resolutions, Okay, month by month, oh, this this program's running out of money. Let's do a resolution because they wouldn't create a budget. They didn't create a budget for the first like what five years. Okay, they, they, there there was never an actual budget passed that that is required by the Constitution. They never passed a budget in all of those years. Okay, so now you've got the House and the Senate coming in, and now uh, it's time to pass. So, oh, they passed one. They just went ahead and threw $1.1 trillion. I mean, at least the Democrats just did, you know, the little spending thingies and, and sort of carried it along. And the House, when Bonnier got in control of the House, you know, just a little CSR here and there, uh, spending resolution, uh, and, and, you know, uh, they funded government piecemeally throughout because they they couldn't pass any sort of major budgetary item not major uh now there was a few omnibus acts that they did but but for the most part because they were trying to hide this from the american people from you this is why they did it this way just little increments here and there and and you know it was never you know in any sort of major huge expenditure so it really didn't get anybody's major amount of attention unless it's us conservatives in the media out here watching this and some of the uh fiscal conservatives out there in the uh, U.S. public that knows what's going on. So uh, this is how they've gone, and and this is why the stimulus was enacted mainly so that Obama would have a trillion dollars to play with. That was why this thing was enacted. That's why it never really created any jobs or did any of that. So now you you have this huge money bubble, okay? In addition to that, you have nationalized mandatory health care. So, you see, now he can do his payoffs and line all his people up. And then you have the illegal aliens. And this is what, uh, this is what Obama really, oh, I got so angry last night when I read what he was saying. He was accusing the Republicans of nativism. He was accusing the, the, the Republicans of selecting America over illegals and foreigners coming in. Okay? Lee, come on. I mean, seriously. This guy was actually... I'm sorry. Was, I, I choose it, too. Yeah, thank you. 
he was he was <laughs> he was he was actually saying sorry that. And, and huh <laughs> I mean I mean I, I'm 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 sorry but that, I'm just greedy like that I you know there is nothing to be sorry for us it's called you know self interest you go by magnitudes of things so I you know, you have your you own self interest there's a there's a ridiculous thing here there's a what's called the budget that you're talking about is is close to 1.2 trillion okay that's just on one side of the spending that's not the uh yeah, that's right the because there is a black there's also a black budget that people never hear about that is around 770 billion that's the one that there is absolutely no accounting for and absolutely no identification of anything, and it's a discretionary thing. They they spend it on what they damn well please to. So, so the Obama, whole budget is closer to two point two trillion. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, somebody that had a real interest in helping actually somebody. It's, it's, it's almost three trillion, but go ahead. It's it's about yeah, three trillion. Yeah. With all the stuff that's stacked on it's right. 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 Anyhow if they had a real interest in going somewhere to help somebody. They would do some of the things like there were some discussions before and there were some things done in past years about taking a manufacturing uh, situation that nobody wanted around the United States because maybe nobody wanted it seen or whatever. Take it and put it in the poorest, most underdeveloped, location that you can think of mm-hmm. and you know and it floods the area with jobs with money with education and watch the damn thing grow you you can't believe what'll happen to a whole region when you do that and i watched it time after time when we did it but it was quietly done, and it was done with black ops and discretionary funds and things like that that they didn't want to see anybody, you know, or have anybody see them doing and making. And yet, those are the ways that you th- you you do things, not the dumb stuff that they're doing now that they have to admit. Oh, we had to lie to the American people because they would have never let us do it. That's Duh. exactly right. And well, we're being controlled by an oligarchy is one big major right. point that that nobody seems to want to admit most of the time. A few people out there, Alex Jones, one is admitting it. Rush does on on several occasions. But we are being run by an oligarchy, and we're trying to take control Prince back. Soon, from Columbia them. and Harvard admitted it. Yes, they did. As a matter of fact, but last night or yesterday, Obama. Right, this was in a NPR recorded event. Okay, Obama uh, a- answering questions, but he did, in essence, when when you take what he said and you sort of uh, sift it down, sift all the shaft out of it to whatever's left of the the main part of it, it, it that is left, and I will go through it and show you. He, Obama accused the Republicans of favoring Americans over immigrants. This is what he did, and this is how ridiculous this man has gotten. Uh, he, he accused the Republicans of nativism, and if we go to Merriam-Webster and we look at the definition of nativism, we learn that it is a noun, and it is a policy of favoring native inhabitants as opposed to immigrants. There you go. That's Merriam-Webster. Be careful where you get your 
terms, by the way. You have to be very careful. You need to basically uh, make sure you go to a, not just dictionary.com or whatever. You want to go to uh, one of the uh, seasoned uh, institutions to get your definitions because they do revision all the time these days. The second definition of that from Merriam-Webster is the revival or perpetuation of an indigenous culture, especially in opposition to acculturation. Now, Lee, who is it on this show that has talked about acculturation a great deal, which is basically uh, the dilution of a culture? I believe that was Lee Daniel, right. wasn't it? Isn't, isn't that not the guy? <laughs> uh, yeah. Terraforming is what I called it. That is exactly what I called it. Well, that's what Obama is doing right now. Well, and, and may I may I inject something here, please? If yeah. you open, if a if a person opens a Bible and actually reads it, the Bible says, number one, give preference to your own household. There we go. In other words, take care of your own household. Exactly. And once you have your own household in control and taken care of and well cared for. Then go out and see who can I help next. And that right? would be what we call the sweet spot, I believe. Matthew McConaughey did a commercial on this that Kim was a goggle over. Okay, and that is that uh, you hit the sweet spot when you take care. And it is, you know, it is a great commercial. You hit the sweet spot when you take care of your own, but you're also taking care of everything else. And see, Obama, he doesn't. He, Obama has the bitter spot. <laughs> I mean, he, he's always hitting that bitter spot, that sour. You're like, spit it out. It, it's not good. Don't do this. Uh, don't eat it. Don't take it. But And, and he's pushing it on people, and, and he's, he's he putting bit, honey he with it to make it person. go down. Yeah. Uh, it's just extraordinarily. So I'm like flipping out when I'm going through this. And I'm like, you know, so you're saying that looking after our own is a bad thing? I mean, see, the U.S. president? No wonder everything's just screwed up wherever we look. Uh, the other point is remember who won big in 2014. It was the GOP. Now, granted, they gave it away. Okay, They snatched defeat from the jaws of victory in December. Uh, and many people believe that Bonnier was blackmailed by Obama. And I tell you, I'm sort of leaning that way, too. And and I believe that's why Bonnier, if he has any sort of a spine or a backbone or any, you know, just a tittle of character left, he needs to leave, okay? He needs to, behind the scenes, push him coming out and going away if he truly loves his country and the U.S. Constitution. And remember, we've had Professor Jonathan Turley out there in liberal lands, yes, and he has been warning us uh probably from year two, maybe year three onward, about how anti-constitutional this guy he voted for is. Now, this is a liberal professor, and I love pulling that out uh, and, and, and cramming it down the progressive centrist and the liberal Democrats whenever they say, oh, no, that's just a bunch of right-wing. Well, sorry, you have one of the most preeminent constitutional professors in the United States at George Washington University, uh, he is a liberal. He is one of your voters, and he is also telling us there are no scales on his eyes. He sees justice only. He sees the U.S. Constitution. He is a true liberal. He is not a progressive. And he sees it for what it is. And he has warned that the precedent that Obama is setting is going to come back and bite the liberals when some right-wing guy gets in there. Okay? He's right. And from what we've seen out of our right-wing uh, colleagues, that may not be a good thing, folks. Okay, just saying. Uh, so, so yeah, the foreigners and the immigrants who Obama 
seems to want to look after are far more concerned about you as America than Americans. Okay? He's the, yes, these foreigners that come in and take jobs, okay, and take uh, food stamps and take welfare payments, they're going to get Obamacare, they're going to get Medicare, Medicaid, whatever else. Uh, they are more concerned about you as an American and, and what they can contribute to America uh, than you as an American. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We, we got that. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the point is that next Obama will be accusing of individuals of having more self-interest in themselves than other people. Yeah, that's stupid. It's an oxymoron. It doesn't work, does it? Nor does what he is saying here when he accuses Republicans of favoring Americans of much. But my point here is this is the Achilles heel of the Democratic Party. If you want to completely and totally rid America of these, basically what they are is insects at this point, there are no true Democrats left. If you want to rid America, this is where you need to attack, ladies and gentlemen. This is their soft spot. This is proof of how they really feel. And let me tell you what the president stated. Now, this is with NPR, and I got this from a guy named... Uh, Warren Mass at the New American. Yes, I had heard about it earlier, and I did not feel like writing an entire article last night, and thank God for Warren Mass. So here we go. This is what Obama replied when he was asked. Um, uh, let me get to the question here, okay? Um, bu- 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 let me look at this right quick. Pose a rhetorical question. Does it spur them to work once again with Democrats in my administration to get a reasonable piece of legislation done? Okay, that's what he's saying. So, in other words, um, he has asked a, rhetor- a rhetorical question uh, that, with regard to immigration, uh, if he takes these executive actions, does it spur those people in the Republican Party? who believe immigration is good for our country. Well, immigration is not the question. It's illegal immigration. All right? And once again, as stated many times, and I'll say it again, we do not have an immigration problem in the United States. We do not have any kind of – it's an enforcement issue. We are not enforcing the border. We are not enforcing our immigration laws. That is the problem. And you see, so this is built, Lee. It's a huge lie, isn't it? We don't have any problem with our immigration system. We have a problem with enforcing the laws that we have. We don't enforce them, thereby creating an immigration problem and thereby taking the executive branch of the United States government in order to solve a problem that has already been solved if he would but merely enforce the borders and enforce the laws that we have. They're not doing that, and so what they want to do is somehow declare everybody that's illegal free, and then that will somehow fix the problem. It's the most ridiculous Hegelian construct I've ever seen, Lee, isn't it? Oh, it's worse than that. It is the whole agenda, Barry, of the consolidation of the new North American region. And you take, you know, by the time you take all the undesirables that you can out of the other regions and make force the United States to uh, re-establish them in the United States and and re-educate, repatriate, uh, rehabilitate them, then the other countries can spread their own money around better, and it all levels itself out. You know, to where 
the whole North American region is working as one. And that's exactly what's happening. This is all and about before it. you know it, <clears throat> you know, before you know it, that thing that you said, I will never in my life stand for so-and-so, and all of a sudden you're standing in so-and-so. You're not exactly. going to stand for it. Watch this. You'll be standing in it before you yeah. can turn around. So so this is, and, and once again, thank you, Lee, for reminding the whole premise of everything that I am talking about right now is the After America agenda. It's there. Yep. It's being played out right, and I believe that it, 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 I believe completely. I mean, it fits right in with the New World Order overall agenda as being perpetrated by the... on how far they get to take it this time. Exactly, and, and boy, they have taken it. I mean, they, they're, man, I mean, seriously. And, you know, this, this show and what we're talking about coming on the eve of a brand new year, 2015... Lee, I think we're going to have a bizarre year, but I want to—I want you to remember that because we're going well, to come back to that. Let me make a comparison, though. Let me make a comparison. These people, you know, we we look at the new world order and we read and we look at them, and and you know, I I, uh, I pointed you to a new uh, program and website. You said you thought right. you had some good resource material. Very and everything good. in every everything in everywhere and everything we look at, they deem themselves a Luciferian society. They have they don't do not want to hear about a Bible. So we are in the fiftieth year that's called Jubilee. That's when God says that the elite will pay back what they have basically wrenched from the little people by advantage. And the elite are saying, hell no, we're going to take the rest of it. Mm -hmm. So 2015 very well may be a real good interesting year. Well, remember, Um, you've got... You've got the two blood moons of of this this oh, current yeah. year, and you've got the, that's the two where, blood that's moons where I'm coming going up. With this. Four How blood about moons. Clash of the Titans? <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's a good movie. Uh, but let me get back to this because uh, before we go back on scene. into that, okay? Uh, this was Obama. He said that that um, in, in essence, does it solidify what do I think about the nativist trend in parts of the Republican Party? He says, or does it simply solidify what I think is a nativist trend? Now, I've already given you the definition of nativist, and that is America first, basically. That's the people that are here, the inhabitants. Now, he's saying that there is a nativist trend in in parts of the Republican Party. He's referring to the conservatives. Now then, think about this for, for a second, because, ladies and gentlemen, this is huge. What he is just saying is everything that the Tea Party has been preaching for the last six years. What he is saying is that these people that think that America is first are nuts, and we've got to get rid of them. That's what he's saying. Uh, he, he is saying, well, on immigration, uh, Steve King and I, and Steve King is a conservative, uh, we funda- fundamentally disagree. He says, I think the Republican Party contains a lot of legislators, legislators who recognize that, and we know that, 
because these folks voted for a comprehensive bill in the Senate that in many ways was more generous than I was able to offer through executive action. So the question then becomes, quote-unquote, by me having taken this action, does it spur those voices in the Republican Party who I think genuinely believe immigration is good for our country? Does it spur them to work once again with Democrats and my administration to get a reasonable piece of legislation done? Why should they legislate when you just sort of declared amnesty for all of them, Mr. Obama? He goes on. Or does it simply solidify what I do think is a nativist trend in parts of the Republican Party? And if it's the latter, then probably we're not going to get much more progress done, and it'll be a major debate in the next presidential election. He says, I think that if a Republican lawmaker was sitting here, he might say, wait a minute, I'm not captive to nativist elements. I have actual concerns, and you're not addressing them. Well, the problem is, what are those concerns, and how is it that I'm not addressing them? The, oh, mercy. They'd have to identify me for me specifically what those concerns are, other than some sense that, you know, those folks just shouldn't be here. Well, there are a lot of concerns, Mr. Obama. The main one is the strain on the infrastructure, state after state after state, county after county, school after school. It's not just the states and the schools. It's the strain on the tax base with regard to, you know, those special entitlements that are only supposed to go to citizens of the United States that have been paying into it all these years. Uh, remember, this is our country. Well, no, Obama doesn't think it is. Obama, by his statements here, doesn't believe in America first. He believes in the people who don't own America first. And here is where you see the acculturation. And what he is stating is that a large part of the Republican and Democratic Party do not believe in America first. They do not believe in that you as a citizen have more rights than this illegal immigrant who's coming in to kill you with a machete, okay, or to drive head on into you and kill you because they're drunk because of their culture down there uh, reveres drunkenness, okay? Uh, so, I, I mean, I'm just looking at it, coming up with thousands of reasons of what I could tell the president. I don't know. What is wrong with our Congress people that they can't communicate it? Well, they have. It's just Obama is not being honest here once again. But once again, too, the main point here is this, ladies and gentlemen, is their Achilles heel. Their leader has just admitted that he is not putting America first. He has just admitted it. He is saying that most of them up there don't put you as an American first. In your country, it's not their country. It's yours. You own a piece of it. You own one three hundred millionth of it, uh, so more or less. <laughs> but that, that, this is the point. And you have people coming in, and they are diluting your shares in this nation. And when you dilute a share, what happens, Lee? You lose. You and Barry, it goes further than that. It's no, not that it they don't believe in the policy; they don't believe there is a United States anymore because some unnamed bastard back there in the shadows has declared there is no more United States. There is a North American Union, and you will proceed as though the decision is made. And that's exactly what they're doing. In their mind, there is no United States anymore. 
And now, this is it. just a big collective being run by the oligarchs, and they need as much cheap labor as possible in order to make it work. Not to mention they're trying to redistribute everybody's wealth into the hands of these illegals. Right. They are, in essence, creating the North American Union. But it's not going to work unless they acculturate the entire nation. Okay? And, you know, it's funny there how that's go. so close to O-culture, O-culturate, occult or acculturate, occult. Isn't that funny? Unless how, they terraform you know, it. Well, that's what they're doing, obviously. But th- this is, once again, I believe this is their Achilles heel. If we take this and run with it, uh, we can prove that Obama is not putting America first. He is not the president of the United States. He is a regional governor for the New World Order. And this is what it's actually looking like. And we don't know what position he's going to take once he leaves this one, assuming we can lever him out of his seat. Okay? Uh, so, and, and, But once again, this goes back into the, what, the connectivity of the North American Union. You've got your nationalized health care. You've got the stimulus, which has created massive debt so that we owe everybody else. And we're going to have to pay up at some point. Okay? We're, we're in such deep debt that is causing problems, uh, Russia, China, well, you know, a lot of these other countries are already getting rid of the dollar. And once they stop trading with our dollar, once our dollar loses its value because nobody wants it, because it's a worthless currency, what happens to us, Lee? Well, in, in an even, if you step up one more level above even the picture that we're talking about, Barry, there was a move, and I'm not, I'm not sure we're done seeing everything. You know, when the uh, when the Chinese and the Russians in India went out and made their own bank, they kind of rebelled against that system that we're talking about. Uh, so presumably, presumably. Yeah, last week, the ruble and the yen dropped so drastically that it scared the crap out of them and four of the chinese banks and five of the of the russian banks are in serious trouble including the one yeah. that putin owns well now i was reading david stockman and ever since you bought uh, you brought his attention to me lee um he's a little bit long he's pretty but smart. he has some very yeah he's very smart he has some interesting things to say but basically what he is saying now is that, uh, you know, what What surprised me is you've seen some of these, uh, I'm not going to, well, I'm going to say it, Stansberry was, oh, you got to buy, you know, commodities, metals, these kinds of things. Guess what just happened to metals? The bottom just dropped out of all of them. Right. And it was because of, Stockman is saying it's because of the financial bubble created by false money. So basically at some point, as uh, Obama's uh, chief mentor is wont to often tell us, the uh, what is it? The roosters have to come home to roost. Basically, the chickens have come home to roost. They're getting ready to come home to roost. And well, in uh, this it, case, it's I not think just... it's buzzards. I can't thank you, <laughs> vultures. Yeah, uh, but but when they do come home, it's not just going to. Be... We don't know how this thing is going to go. But what we do believe, I this... uh, Barry, in nine. 19- <laughs> I can't remember what year it was. What year was it that Hugo came through here? Ninety-two, eighty-nine. It was eighty-nine. 80. Okay, 89. in eighty-nine, I was paying nine dollars an ounce for silver. Right. And that's where it can go. And gold was only like three hundred fifty-seven dollars an ounce back then. Yeah. 
and, and the so bottom all these guys the that have peddled all this gold and all this silver at twelve hundred dollars an ounce and thirty five dollars an ounce uh sorry bud it's only nine and three hundred and fifty again but that's you know, not going to be a real good day that, i don't know what the i'd read this in stockman's report but what i was thinking was this because the the main thing to remember with any commodity, any value of money, anything out there of intrinsic value, is that when it loses its value sharply, as it has done here recently, all over the place, what you're seeing is a lack of major demand, which then translates into a lack of economic activity to support any sort of demand. And so therefore, what the speculators are seeing, I believe, is a recession uh, that's going to hit like nothing has ever hit across the planet. And once again, the recession is going to be due to this Keynesian, uh, this Keynesian fantasy land ec- economizing that is being done in, uh, in, in, ev- in, well, in all the Euro-socialist countries. And uh, is China, too, has been, it's been using Keynesianism. Uh, Paul Krugman, remember, uh, he is a big Keynesian advocate, and there are going to, I believe, they're going to get their come up, but it's going to be a little bit too late at that point, isn't it, Lee? I mean, from what we're looking at here, I don't know, you know, they're trying to well, blame capitalism people, for it. Some of the financial people are playing this extremely smart, because between the United States and Saudi Arabia, they're they're beating the crap out of the oil market, and yes, they're, they they're predicting prices... You know, uh, Russia had a break-even point of like $90 a barrel on their contracts. And you know what, China Lee? had a, a break-even point that was worse. It was like $94. And, and well, it's already below that. So they're, they are just – they are getting killed on this. And the United are, States is taking junk properties. They're taking parts of – of cities that nobody wants and nobody has ever wanted and saying, hey, China, hey, Russia, you want to buy this? Yeah, it's, it's for sale. It, it, we, you can buy it with your debt. And they're selling it to them at twice the price, and they're saying, oh, what the hell, we'll buy it all. Well, and, okay, let's let's look at it this way. What was the price of gas when Obama came into office? Do you remember? $4.05. No, it was $1.85. It was a dollar eighty-five. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm thinking was, about something else. I'm thinking of Bush. Okay, but it, it was a dollar eighty-five. All right. And when Obama got in office, the gas prices uh, they shot up to as much as four dollars a gallon. It was blamed on all any number of things. And now all of a sudden, as Obama's term is waning, it is the bottom has fallen out of it. Uh, so you know, and trust me on this. I've studied this man just as much as anybody else. He wants high gas prices. He doesn't like fossil fuels. He doesn't like anything that comes out of the ground, ladies and gentlemen, unless it's a double, okay? So the, mark my he wanted $10 a gallon gasoline if he could get it. Remember, he's running the coal companies out of business with the EPA. The only problem is, uh, see, one of the major problems he's run into, even though natural gas is clean burning, uh, it doesn't pollute, he, he, he doesn't like it because it's a fossil fuel. And this is how limited he is in his thinking. We have a massive amount of natural gas in this country, enough to last us for probably at least 100 years from, from, from the 
from the reserves that they have Two. looked at. It's incredible. It's the, it's the one of the biggest reserves ever. Okay, uh, second only. I don't know that it's second to anything. There may be something over there in Israel, but uh, that one off the coast of Israel, I've heard, is huge. Uh, but we're setting right. on more energy than the Saudis are. This is the wild card that nobody anticipated. Okay, so this thing is happening uh, against Obama's best wishes. Okay, this is and it, it makes him look good. But the point is, he didn't have anything to do with this. He hates it. He doesn't like this. He does not want cheap fossil fuels, and it's happening in spite of everything that he has done and will do. Okay. Uh, and what it is doing is it's powering the economy. And, you know, uh, I was listening to several callers to a radio show, and they were talking about, you know, gas prices. And the, the simple fact is that when Obama took office, it was $1.85. And it has ballooned up, and it's been, you know, 350 375 sometimes 4 according to where you are. Uh, but it's been pretty high this entire time. And now the bottom is dropping out of it. But I will warn you, and 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 any time that you see the bottom drop out of something like gasoline, it is a sign that the speculators see a lack of demand, which translates into a lack of economic activity. And that's that's really the concern here. But now then, going back to this uh, after America agenda, which Petraeus was trying to sell over at the Liberty Conference back in June in Great Britain, and he spoke of this, uh, touting it as the you know the North American agenda. I mean, it's going to be huge. It's going to be great. Yeah, we're going to have to remake laws and things like that. We're going to probably throw out the Constitution. No big deal, uh, because we're going to be an economic powerhouse. Well, if you're if you're under the boot of tyranny uh, during an economic upswing, who do you think is going to get that money, Lee? The same people who are orchestrating the whole thing. And pulling exactly. all the strings are the ones that the money is going to go to. And Absolutely. I think that the price of gasoline will go down below $2 until there's a new president. Then, of course, they're safe for eight years and they can jack it back up again. We'll see. Yeah, But I don't really know that – I've heard that said, but I really don't know that presidents control the price of all unless it's some of their actions that they take – but some of the things that, even despite the wars in the Mideast and everything, the North American uh, uh, um, emergence as a massive energy resource has thrown everything uh, into chaos with regard to this particular subject. Nobody anticipated it, not even eight years ago. And uh, and it's nothing. It's not because of anything Obama's done. As a matter of fact, he's limited leases on federal lands, ladies and gentlemen. So it's nothing he has done. This is private industry coming to the fore and producing energy, and that's why we are where we are, in spite of the Obama regime. All right. And I, we're going to take a break because there's so many other things. That, and I'm going to finish this segment up, and then we're going to uh, delve into some of the other things going on across the planet and hit a few of these items that. Uh, uh, we promised we'd hit. So bear with us, and we're going to be right back. Out of respect, they gave him the Nobel Peace Prize without him doing anything, and he took it. He changed health care for millions of Americans, even though they liked what they had. He says he will tell Iran to quit making nukes, and they will stop, because he is just that good. 
to him the Supreme Court is nothing but an unelected group of people. You want precedent? He is the president. He picked Joe Biden to be his vice president just to show that he doesn't really need one. He wants us to believe no one else in America would have made the Bin Laden call. He is the most arrogant man in the world. I ultimately get what I want. Stay ignorant, my friends. Hello, welcome to Obama Golf. My name is Trina. How can I help you? Yes, hi. I received an email from Golfsmith stating that my Pro V1 golf ball order had been canceled and I should go to your exchange to reorder it. So I tried the website, but it doesn't seem to be working, so I'm calling the 800 number. Yes, I'm sorry about the website. It should be fixed by the end of 2014, but I can help you. Thanks. I ordered some Pro V1 golf balls. Sir, Pro V1s do not meet our minimum standards. I will be happy to provide you with a choice of Pinnacle, Top Flight, or Callaway Blue. But I've played Pro V1 for years. The government has determined that Pro V1s are no longer acceptable, so we have instructed Titleists to stop making them. Top Flights are better, sir. I am sure you will love them. But I like the Pro V1. Wait, why are Top Flights better? That is all spelled out in the 2700-page Affordable Golf Ball Act passed by Congress. Well, how much are these Top Flights? It depends, sir. Do you want our bronze, silver, gold, or platinum package? Uh, what's the difference? 12, 24, 36, or 48 balls. Well, the silver package may be okay. How much is it? It depends, sir. What is your monthly income? What does that have to do with anything? I need that to determine your government golf ball subsidy. Then I can determine how much your out-of-pocket cost will be. But if your income is below the poverty level, you might qualify for a subsidy. In that case, I can refer you to our ball aid department. Ball aid? Yes. Golf balls are a right. Everyone has a right to golf balls. So, if you can't afford them, then the government will supply them free of charge. Who said they were a right? Congress passed it. The president signed it, and the Supreme Court found it constitutional. Whoa, whoa, wait. I don't remember seeing anything in the Constitution regarding golf balls as a right. There's no explicit mention of golf balls in the Constitution, but President Obama is a former constitutional scholar, and he believes it would have been included if the Constitution had not been drafted by a bunch of slave-owning white men. The Democrats in the Congress and the Supreme Court agree with the president that golf balls are now a right guaranteed by the Constitution. I don't believe this. It's the law of the land, sir. Now we anticipated most people would go for the silver package. So what is your monthly income, sir? Forget it. I'll just forego the balls this year. In that case, sir, I will still need your monthly income. Why? To determine what your non-participation cost would be. What? Wait, you can't charge me for not buying golf balls. It's the law of the land, sir. <laughs> Approved by the Supreme Court. It's forty nine fifty or one percent of your monthly income. Oh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll pay the forty nine fifty. Sir, it is the forty nine fifty or one percent of your monthly income, whichever is greater. Are you kidding me? What a ripoff. Actually, sir, it's a good deal. Next year it will be two percent. Uh, look, I'm gonna call my congressman to find out what's going on here. This is ridiculous. I'm not gonna pay it. Sorry to hear that, sir. That's why I had the NSA track this call and obtain the make and model of the cell phone you're using. Why does the NSA need to know what kind a cell phone I'm using. So they can get your GPS coordinates, sir. The hell is that? That would be the IRS, sir. Thanks for calling Obama Golf. Have a nice day. And God bless the land of the free and the home of the brave. This is the 32nd time Christmas has been hosted in this house. 
32 times decorating the tree, holiday dinners, memories, all protected by their independent agent, and the company that stands behind them, Auto Owners Insurance. Happy Holidays from Carolina Industrial Agency Incorporated in Charlotte. but I can explain some of the things from a slightly different point of view in that I mentioned um, the Wizard of Oz. And I think what we're seeing is a smoke and mirrors game and or a sleight of hand in that they don't want you, they being the oligarchy or the central bankers, you know, it's been termed that 18 of the central bankers are the ones pulling the strings, plus the Rothschild and Morgans in Basel. But I think it's more than that. There, There is the group called the Illuminati and their assets that, you know, would have to be involved to be heavy enough to pull those strings. You know, because those strings are the size of bull ropes at this point. And they've got hooks in them. And when they get their hooks into you, they can pull just about anybody anywhere they want to pull with them because the Rothschild community itself, the one they call the House of Rothschild, is worth $500 trillion by itself. And those are some pretty big hooks. And those are some pretty big bull ropes that they can pull people around with. And they just... You know, we we saw about a year ago the news community take some hits in their investigative reporting to the point that I think they put the fear of demigods into a lot of the news reporting community. You know, who wants to be hit with a hellfire missile? I mean, and, and that's basically what happened to the Mercedes Benz that the guy was driving. He was assassinated when he stood up against the system and insisted on reporting something that they didn't really want exposed right then. On top of that, the bankers, uh, the score on the bankers in Mysterious Death is, is like 41 or 2 now. I'm sorry, but, you know, major bankers all across the world that are worth a few few million or a couple billion apiece just don't all get together and say oh let's just all jump out the windows and off the roof this week we have so much we can't do anything else so i guess we'll just have to kill ourselves and see what god's got for us that's idiotic that's just stupid people don't do that they don't just have group suicides unless there's something that provokes them to it 
So the stage was being set for all this progressively, step by step, control the bankers, control the media, control the politicians, and now you see the things going on, the absurdities going on, just like the GOP uh, handing their testicles to Obama as they walked in the door. They just basically emasculated themselves when they walked in the door and said, okay, we're here, what do you want us to do? There was no debate about anything. There was no stand-up, we're going to talk about it at least first. All they said was, okay, what do you want us to do? And they did it. Now, when you see things like that happen, for no plausible reason, something else is going on. When two and two no longer makes four, you got to add something else in there because it's five now. It's not four. Okay, and let's go back through it. Nationalized mandatory health care. Okay, it is not good for America. We already had health care for people who couldn't afford it. That was Medicare and Medicaid. Okay, we you already had health for seniors. You could have severely used the uh, severely used the regulations and laws in place and done more. Exactly, and they could have created a health care facility for those individuals who could not buy yes. health insurance easily. Although state bureaus were set up, ladies and gentlemen, in pretty much every state for those people, just like the federal flood insurance program, no different. You put the money in there, you let the people come in and buy it based on you know what their risk was being subsidized by the American. But it would be not, you know we have sacrificed the well-being of a vast majority of Americans, supposedly for 30 million people, and as it turns out, they're already stating that those 30 million people are still going to be uninsured. It it, it didn't matter. So, you know, that, you've got the stimulus. Was that good for America? Was adding a trillion dollars on so they could spend it on welfare programs, essentially, uh, and crony capitalism-type items, was that good for America? No. It's increased our financial stability. Hillary Clinton herself stated, and Lee Nozer stated that it was damaging national security. You won't hear him talk about it very much. Illegal aliens is flooding the country with over 15, probably 15 to 20 million people who weren't supposed to be here. Uh, setting up a strain on the system, is that good for America? No. These are all things that Obama has ramped for. These are all things that lean towards the cloward piven uh, collapse of an economy, and you can move down. Climate change is setting up strictures across companies across the world, setting up a basically a an international tax for companies that supposedly pollute, when in fact most of the pollution is coming out of China and India now. But you know, America has to pay the price, even though most of our most oh, don't all, forget Japan. Thank you, Japan too. I mean. It, it, it is is basically chaining up uh, our corporations and making them pay an additional tax, which will only drive down their profits and will only affect the hiring of future individuals. We've already lost a hundred thousands of jobs uh, from the from the uh, utility companies in the United States because of what they've done th- thus far with the EPA and the regulations. Uh, probably that in- would include what they've done to the the coal industry. Okay, and and you you know the the financial meltdown 
which was caused in essence by the Community Reinvestment Act, by what the banks had to do to react to it out of greed, okay, to maintain their profits because they were being leaned on by the federal government to give loans to people who could not afford them, who defaulted on them, and they just wrapped them up in OCDs and tried to sell them to hapless investors who had a lot of experience. Was that good for America? None of this is. None of this is good for America. Okay? And so you ask yourself, well, why are they doing this? Well, because there is an end game in play. And uh, we believe, Lee and I both believe, that it is the after America agenda. And I don't think the collapse is going to occur just in America. Uh, most of us, and, and I've looked at Zero Hedge. That's a great site, financial site to go to, uh, to see what's happening. And you know, there was one thing, and Lee, you would be fascinated by this. You may have already seen it, but it was the fact that the federal government just basically emptied out its vault of just a, like, I mean, what is it? Twenty-four tons of gold. It was a crazy amount of of gold. Let me go. I'm going to go find that. I've got it right here if my software will let me. I'm going to go back to that. Uh, here we go. It's um, InfoWars had this. Gold in New York Fed vault drops to lowest in 21st century after biggest monthly right. withdrawal since 2001. Lee, you saw this, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And <laughs> India and Russia are buying it up as fast as they can get their hands on it. But that's still, uh, I think that's another part of, that's another bull rope that somebody is pulling and tensioning and then letting it drop. And they pull and put tension on it and then let it drop to where they can play it like they want to play it. And I, I am very, very seriously concerned there, there is a there is a passage in Revelation that talks about your gold and silver being worthless to the point that you throw it in the street. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, if the if the market becomes flooded with it because of some ulterior agenda, then you know we'll have. To, that's when the whole financial system has to be redone, and that's when it can go to to a credit, a worldwide credit system, because there won't be anything left as a media of exchange except paper or computers. And these withdrawals, many of them went to the Netherlands. So the question is, according to this InfoWars article, uh, is it now the turn of Austria to reveal in a few weeks that it too secretly withdrew some 40-plus tons of gold from safekeeping in the U.S., or was it Belgium? Or did the Dutch simply decide to haul back some more? Or did Germany finally get over its logistical complications, which prevented it from transporting more than just a laughable five tons in 2013? And most importantly, did Germany finally grow up here and decide not to let diplomatic difficulties stand between it and its goal? Uh, we're going to find out, uh, but we know one thing, it sure wasn't Ukraine. So there's, there is something going on with these massive withdrawals. And um, the last time this happened, this type of withdrawal, was, ladies and gentlemen, back in 2007 is when it began. And you know what happened shortly after 2007. Uh, Running through 2008, there were a a plethora of withdrawals, and then we had the collapse. And then 
Um, now we're doing it again, and really it began in um, early 2014, these withdrawals did. Uh, so I don't know if, you know, I don't think anybody can answer parenthetically exactly whether this, what exactly this may mean. But it, I don't think it is a good sign. Uh, let's move on from there because I wanted to finish up the article. Well, All of these things, Terry, are- before you leave there, there is a matter of trust. I'm not sure, you know, and, and I think there is one major um, financial official that agrees with me. I'm not sure that the countries trust the United States to hold on to their gold anymore. Well, there used to be, you know, it used to be, uh, I think it was Russia, the U.K., and the United States were like repositories where they felt like they were safe. Then then uh, the Soviet Union collapsed, obviously, and that wasn't any good anymore. So it left the U.K. and the United States. Well, I'm not sure that they trust the United States anymore. So I think, you know, it's like several countries are coming up and saying, uh <coughs> Uh, let me have my money back before you do something mm-hmm. stupid and lose it, <laughs> and I have to take uh, another pile of your manufactured money from you. You know, so yeah. I think that is a big factor. People are becoming nervous. And you see what's happening with the police forces. You see how B- Obama reacted. We talked about the DHS oh, in yeah. Ferguson. You see how it began. You saw how they set up Sharpton as a special advisor to the White House. This is a race baiter. Uh, and now they're, they're, we've had over this weekend, over the past week, we've had uh, at, at basically it's attack after attack uh, within brawls, mall brawls. And these primarily involve black you know, people, uh, youngsters in essence, and uh, unfortunately, and the, this is happening all over the United States now. Once again, these things are not happening by accident. They are being orchestrated. We've seen what happened with the police. Uh, we saw now there's been a pushback because of the two options. Yes, and, and you saw, yeah, exactly, and you saw everything that brought this about. I mean, you look at the actual numbers. Only 123 black people were killed last year by police. Okay, as a, opposed to that, you had about 400, maybe maybe 600, I think, uh, white people killed by police, indirect, you know, all, um, altercations. Uh, and so this this argument that they are putting forth that the police are out hunting blacks just to kill them, well, that's not true. And Lee, anybody who has ever actually took took a man's life can attest to the fact it is not a joyous occasion, is it? No. It's not any fun, I, and I I can tell you on two occasions where it turns your stomach to, to listen to somebody cry and scream just before yeah. they stop, and it, it is not it's not funny at all. Not to know that you were responsible for it, um, but, you know, granted... It, That's it, why it, it's the, the matter of last resort instead of the matter yeah. of playing a, a chess game. And, it's, you know, that is absurd. the... The game going on here is is to disrupt and maneuver the culture into a frame of mind that somebody desires. Then exactly. they will force a change. And the the change is already coming. You see what's happening in New York right now 
we released an article just the other night that the, there is a backlash of the New York police force. Arrests are down, ladies and gentlemen, 94%. And so now you're seeing the pushback. And if this were to take place uh, across the United States, if this were con- to continue, and guess what would happen? Well, we have an inadequacy in the police. We have to do something. Oh, government, please help us. And so the government says, okay, yes, you're right. We're going to have to nationalize our police. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is a dire possibility. And the New York Police Department is playing right into their hands. Uh, And this is yet another design. Ladies and gentlemen, do you think that it is a good thing to nationalize the police force? No, it is not. Not even remotely a good idea. But I believe it is the angle they are hedging towards. Remember, all of the massacres, you know, the gun massacres, every one of them seemed to have some sort of military tie. And every one of them seemed to have some sort of mental uh, disability associated with what they were doing. And every one of them was on some sort of medication, okay? And I just, it, it just, it, it seems to me that uh, it just seems odd. And remember the impetus after that, and Lee, you talked about it. I, I'll never forget you saying that, you know, the New World Order types were really tore up about the fact that the U.S. had pushed back. All of the people pushed back and said, no, you're not taking our guns. Uh, I remember you saying that, didn't you? Oh, yeah, they don't. They didn't like that at all. They were like, they were like, uh, look, there's 320-some million people in the United States, and there's 500 million guns. Exactly. You know, every house is going to have two or three guns sticking out at you if we play this wrong. And that and, was the devil. Let me, let me interject something here, Barry. Sure. In, all the way back in the 80s, I did three recommendations. One was a national police force. Two, one was a national health care system. And one was another uh, implementation for security across the United States. One, it, it was, it was a, let's say, a Star Wars system, okay? And those systems, two of them have apparently been picked up and bastardized by the Obama administration. If you, if you carry these things out idealistically, you could take, the FBI and retrain and re uh, re policy and there's a word I'm searching for I'm not going to find it's uh, reprogram their little brains into a nice actual legitimate legal law enforcement group that you know has a unified stand across the United States and takes care of matters that should be taken care of. They're not doing that. They're doing it in a screwed-up system that benefits themselves. That's the same thing they did with their their health care system that you're talking about that they put in place. They didn't do the right way. They did it the way that puts the power in their hands and the money in their pockets. And when that, you know, when... When the philosophy that whatever makes me the money makes the decision is used, then the American people are going to be the ones to suffer. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing in the whole deal. They just don't give a damn about them anymore. 
But this is, I believe, and I don't think there's any doubt at this point, it is a machination towards something. The question is why. Yeah. It is a machination towards something. And I believe we have the answer right here, and David Petraeus was the one that was so kind in order to verify and confirm that for us. And so that's oh, where we happy. are right he now. He's, he's going to get a country. Now then, now then, let me, uh, once again, just to sort of put an exclamation point, I'm going to play this clip from 2005, and this is, uh, you'll recognize his voice. This is Lou Dobbs. Uh, it's an amazing little piece of uh, evidence. The Bush administration's open borders policy and its uh, decision to ignore the enforcement of this country's immigration laws is part of a broader agenda. President Bush signed a formal agreement that will end the United States as we know it, and he took the step without approval from either the U.S. Congress or the people of the United States. Bill Tucker reports. Yes, he did. The Security and Prosperity Partnership of North America sounds benign, hardly like a policy that critics call NAFTA on steroids. It's a deal that few have even heard of. It's being done again by very few people at the very top on behalf of the investment class, but the working class of people, uh, political officials across our country from communities, uh, from cities and so forth, they don't know anything about this. Yet it was agreed to by Mexico's President Fox, Canada's Prime Minister Martin, and President Bush in 2005. Administration officials counter their critics by saying everything about SPP is on the White House website. And they say the partnership is not a treaty, but more of an outline of priorities between the United States, Mexico, and Canada. Still, some wonder why there haven't been public discussions about the goals being pursued. This SPP includes, for instance, a committee that is sitting down to harmonize our meat inspection and food safety. So how far away from a trade agreement can your dining room table and what you feed your kids be? Other parts of the agreement mention border security as an issue, which include all of North America. In fact, the name of the agreement is not security and prosperity of the United States, but of North America. When we elect officials, we expect them to act on our behalf. When we get involved in cooperative frameworks with other countries for joint regulation of fisheries or rail transportation or the skies, we're basically sharing our sovereignty with that government and outsourcing some of what we give our elected officials. As disturbing as some find SPP, there is legislation in the House introduced by Florida's Catherine Harris that closely resembles the goals of the partnership. Included in that bill is a section which calls for the securing of Mexico's southern border by the United States and Canada. Lou, that's not the border with the United States. That's the border they share with Belize and Guatemala. The idea that the White House would respond, that this is on their website, uh, this involves uh, intricate uh, workings uh, amongst the Commerce Department of this country the, and Canada and Mexico's, of course, uh, a, a regional prosperity and security program. Uh, this is absolute ignorance. And the fact that we are, uh, we, we reported this, we should point out, uh, when it was signed. But as we watch this thing progress, these working groups are continuing, they're intensifying. Uh, what, is, what in the world are these people thinking about? Well, they say, look, these are a declaration and an outline of our priorities. And when I called them today, Lou, they said I was the first phone call they had received literally since the deal was first signed. So people are not paying attention, and they're letting them, in fact, nope. get away with this.
You know, I, I was asked the other day uh, about whether or not I really thought the American people had the stomach to stand up and stop this nonsense, this direction from a group of elites in absolute contravention of our law, of our Constitution, uh, every national value. And I hope, I pray that I'm right when I said yes. But this is, this is beyond belief. Bill Tucker, thank you very much. So there you have it, and this is uh, this is everything that we've been talking about. Now this is uh, I referred to the Margaret Thatcher uh, conference uh, that was held. Well, it was actually at her whatever they call it, the Margaret Thatcher conference. Policy studies in Great Britain. David Petraeus basically threw away the question mark and boldly proclaimed the coming North American decades, not the United States decades or yeah, the American decades, the North American decades of which. Uh, remember, Patriot is a a member of both Bilderberg and the Council on Foreign Relations. These are uh, two uh, entities uh, that are they're they're not a uh, they're not necessarily government entities. They are it's basically a club. They're not like a, a skull and not at all. <laughs> no, I mean yeah. it's like a skull and crossbones uh, no, no, club no, no. of rich guys. I mean, and and you know you you know what they're. Everything that they do, ladies and gentlemen, and I never thought I would talk like this, but I'm seeing something that I never expected. Everything that they do seems to be to wring labor and profit, wring W-R-I-N-G out of the out of the American people especially, but pretty much everybody across the world. These are the guys that are in charge, and now we know from all of our um, – from all of the cycles that we've gone through and studying and trying to figure out, okay, what the hell is happening here? Uh, these people are Luciferians. So this goes far deeper, as Lee has stated. This goes back to May the 2nd of 1776 when the uh, the organization called the Illuminati uh, was initially founded, uh, and it was in 1776 in North America, uh, um, that this thing was put by Adam Weishaupt was the guy's name, and he was machinated by none other than, of course, Rothschild. He was an Ashkenazi Jew, by the way, not a real Jew. Those are, those come from Israel. Now, this was, uh, I believe, it was in sort of a uh, what a section of Georgia, basically, Lee, um, that uh, that that we're told they had. Well, it. it's one of the tribes that we've talked about that went back and defected. Back, they they defected back to northern Israel and went back to the moon god Sin and Baal and worshipped yeah. them. They gave up God. And you know, it, they, it's interesting because when when uh, I was listening to that fellow, I think his name is Sarian. Is it Tessarian? Uh He was pointing out that the the the, the God that that uh, the, um, the Knights Templar and the Freemasons and the Rosicrucians. Uh, the higher up uh, echelons within those organizations is Baphomet, and uh, Lee, mm-hmm. can you give me some background on this Baphomet? He's the he's the you know when you think of a Satanist and you see that uh, image with the the spiraling horns like yeah. a an ibis or something, the spiraling horns, and he has a kind of a bullish or a goat face. He has a man's body and then goat legs and hooves, and he's always kind of sitting in a position with the upside-down pentagram and all that. That's him. Yeah. 
Okay. He's the god that's always associated with Satanism, underworld, and witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And the true definition of witchcraft is the unbeknownst control or manipulation of other people through supernatural forces, be exactly. they be they whatever. And the uh, the occult is raging across basically oh, yeah. our economy and in and, and our government and, of course, in other oh, governments, yeah. including the Roman Catholic Church. It is suffused. I mean, you can pick up a Time Warner cable bill and see the eye of Urus <laughs> on your TWC bill. Uh, it, it, when I started studying this stuff, it fascinated me just to look around and to see some of the symbology that 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 we end up seeing in our everyday lives. And that is not by accident that that symbology is. And you know, the funny thing, Lee. No, is, they know each other. They yeah, know they, each they, other by these things. But we see like them every day, and it doesn't mean anything to us, but it's everything to them. Right. I mean, but uh, but these symbols to these cults do hold power, do they not? They hold oh, actually. Oh yeah, it, and it, you know that's what I'm saying. You see this eye. Let's take the the CBS eye. It's the all-seeing eye, and it's right. a significance. That's who bows down to who. In their in their whole pyramid echelon of of hierarchies, and believe me, they're all about hierarchies and they're all about oligarchies because oh, that's they're about their, their whole life. Too. Oh the, yeah. The point to all of this, the point to all of this, is that you've heard us talk about it this before, and you've heard us talk about it many times. But it is complex. It is difficult to understand, and this is why we keep repeating it. And the the other thing that I'd like right. to point out is the and fact that now you're seeing it work. Oh, absolutely. Uh you look at what they what they you know the the surge of illegals up into the United States, uh, I believe that was a redistribution of labor into the North American Union. That's what I believe. I mean, I I don't think there's any other answer to it. I think that everything that we are doing right now, including the GOP collapse to Obama uh just very recently, uh, is is a machination or a machination uh, towards what will eventually be pushed as the North American Union. Now then, the interesting thing here, remember also, Obama is concurrently trying to negotiate a trade agreement uh, with the the uh, what is it, the Asia Pacific Trading Partners. Okay. Now, remember the last time. We negotiated a major regional negotiation. It was NAFTA. And guess what happened with NAFTA? As, um, uh, what, what was his name? Uh, it starts with a P, Texan guy. Um, I can't believe, what is his name? Anyway, um, it's been a while since I've heard his name. Um, he's a Texan. He talks like this. But uh, what happened, well, I'm sure somebody's screaming it uh, into their into their radio or whatever but right now, but... Um, uh, what happened is that um, whenever NAFTA came into being, uh, which was under Clinton, um, I think it was around 1989, if I'm not mistaken, or, um, or is it 99? I believe it was, wait a minute, I think it was 99. Um, when that all took place, what we saw was a giant sucking sounds of jobs 
leaving the United States and headed over to China and some of the other regions. And this was one of the major reasons that you've seen a surge in China and the growth of their economy uh, over these past, yeah, since that time, what is it now, 20, 20-something years, I guess? Very close. Um, and not 20, probably, I'm, I'm not sure about that date. I'm going to have to look that up. But anyway, China, as a result of that, grew exponentially, and it also helped Mexico and some of these other nations grow exponentially. It didn't seem to help America too much. As a matter of fact, that's when our, uh, we lost a lot of our moxie as a result of that. But once again, that was part of the machination. They had to take America down, which is what is being done. Remember, the wages have been flat ever since that time, uh, even through the Bush years. We really haven't gained a lot. And so now what they're talking about is, uh, what is it, intensifying, doubling down, whatever word you want to use. Now they're going to the Pacific Trade Agreement, and they're going to do it again, in my opinion. Uh, the only person that I want uh, sort of um, marshalling any sort of trade agreement is a hardcore conservative who's not going to give away the store. The one thing we've learned is liberals are not very good when it comes to negotiating any sort of business, uh, not from what I've seen, and not when it involves you, the American people. So that's what we have going on. The other thing that I wanted to add to this is you have, it's not just the North American Union, it's the South American Union, it's the African Union, it's the Middle East Union, it's the Eurozone, we already have that one, the European Union. Uh, then you've got the Russian Union, you've got the China, basically, uh, what is it, East Asia Union, the Indians. Uh, you have ten regions, and Lee, what did the Bible say to, what is it, two, maybe 2,500 years ago about the regions that would be in power in the end times? Well, it's 2,015 years ago, minus 33 years, that Jesus talked about the fact that, you know, and he talks about it at length in Revelation, uh, let's see, I believe it's chapter 12, about the coming time when the beast would come from the sea, and let me get to the exact verse. He talks about the, and I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. Now, uh, I'm sorry, but that sounds an awfully lot like the Vatican and the seven hills or the seven mountains that it sets on, that Rome sets on, and upon his horns, ten crowns. And there you go. There are the ten crowns that they intend to set up in monarchies over the ten regions. And upon his head, the name of blasphemy. That's the bad one. That's the one that will say, you don't have a Bible anymore. You don't have laws anymore. You don't have rights anymore. What you've got is what I tell you you've got. Pretty and much you it. guys that want to keep God, keep him. But you ain't getting another damn thing from me. Nothing. There's the other side of this, too. 1974, prototype the Club of Rome. It's an Illuminati organization has divided the world into ten regional kingdoms, which will replace all national boundaries when the new world order is implemented. Right. And that's in 1712-14, Revelation. 
On this map, Mexico is part of number six, is being merged with North America and the North American Free Trade Agreement. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, this was predicted or predicated back in 1974 by an Illuminati organization. And the, the question becomes, you have to go back and, and Google the Daniel Project, signs the apocalyptic vision of the Daniel Project, uh, to see where all of this is going. I'll, I will also point out that the Jehovah Witness organization is openly promoting one world government. We learned of that earlier this year when I wrote that article, which, by the way, was one of the top articles of 2015, or tw I'm sorry, 2014. And one of the things I did say I was going to go into this, the top articles for us, and this tells us what our readers like to read, um, the, 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 in Maine, this is not news articles, this is the ones that I specifically wrote, and the, the top article of 2014 with a massive number of views was Ferguson, black cop killing of unarmed white remains unnoticed by media and Obama. This is something, this thing went absolutely ape wire. And um, it, it, it set records. The other record probably, there's been a bunch of them, but probably the Facebook article, uh, which was singling out conservatives. Uh, the next best article was the Jehovah's Witness Organization promoting one world government. That was a new one on everyone. Uh, and I broke that one because one of them came to my door pushing it. Uh, and I just happened to be the wrong guy. So we added that. The next one uh, was the Ebola Diaries. Kind of surprised me when I – because I don't look at these things until the end of the year. And that was the how irresponsible Obama regime and CDC are culpable if Ebola strikes the U.S. Well, it has. They've got it under control, but there's also about 1,400 people being watched even as we speak. That's just in the United States. Next one was Oath Keepers, tasked to silently protect Ferguson, shut down and threatened with arrest by police. And I can go on, but, you know, when I look through here, Lee, one of the surprising, uh, surprise after surprise was that the media's projection of Islam as a green religion is false. These are the worst-ranked polluting countries, and they were all Islamic. So too many oh, yeah. vipers were in yeah. there. <clears throat> and the mark, NBC News predicts microchip implant for all Americans by 2017. I'd say we're following that timeline. And I can go on, but those were really They're about five, what, five, yeah, five or six articles. And like I said, there were some that really surprised me in here. Uh, but, you know, breaking away from that, because one thing – we were so intent about reporting on this after America agenda that everybody doesn't want to accept. You've got to look at this, and you've got to see it for what it is to know how to combat it. <clears throat> and, Lee, I think the question is, will we be a part of this when basically when the shit hits the fan? Are we going to be oh, uh, I part think of the so, Antichrist? Because, Barry, I'd like to read that Chapter 17 note. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it says... In in chapter 17, verse 12, And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. And these have one mind, and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. That's when a ruler, a man, an entity finally comes up and it all unifies under the Luciferian side of thinking of this planet. Verse 14, these shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb 
shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. And that, I believe, is where the United States plays into all of this, because I still say we still have our guns. I believe so, too, and that's what I'm hoping for. You know, the other thing, too, Lee, I've watched several things. There was a thing on the History Channel. I would urge everybody to watch it. I don't think it was completely accurate, but it was bold and it was very well done. And it's called Revelation, the End of Days, um, and that's on the History right. Channel. Uh, there were two parts to it. It's a four hours. It was extraordinarily good. Uh, and it, it, the Antichrist, the Beast, it was all in there. Uh, the blowing of the horns, and the interesting thing was, and, Lee, you've seen this. We've posted up numerous articles about these strange horn-like sounds that emanate across the planet, and nobody knows what the hell they are or where they're emanating from. But all we do know is it's very strange, and they're, they were occurring everywhere. We haven't heard one from a while. Now, on this particular History Channel special about the Revelation. period is over. Yes. They, well, they they were using these strange sounds as the angels blowing their horns, the opening up of the seals. They, I mean, and I was like, whoa, it floored me because really that's what those of us who follow yep. this stuff were thinking. And uh, it is very haunting. It is a spooky uh, thing, and it, it talks about the two witnesses. Uh, it's just, it was very well done, although I don't know if they did it. They seem to focus on the U.S. inordinately. And uh, we, we know this will take place across the world. It seemed to happen in the U.S. and Israel with regard to the special. But I would urge you to watch it. They will probably reshow it many times. You can find it. Uh, but the other thing, we, we didn't get nowhere near the news we wanted to get into. Uh, I had no idea we were going to go this deep into the, the After America agenda. But I think it's something important because I believe if you watch some of these things like what Bonnier and the Republicans did with regard to the budget – when you see something happen that defies explanation, well, there is an explanation. It's just the one that you don't want, and that is something like what we're talking about, where all of this is headed. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you. There is one other point here, and it was I was watching something else, and I was thinking as I was watching it, I was just sort of musing. And, you know, we did the article which stated, okay, what's the number one Christian nation league? And it came out the United States by far is the number one Christian nation. Right. Uh, two, you know, two hundred eighty million. Sorry, Mr. Million. Obama, your your facts yeah. are a little off. Eighty percent, and and nobody else was even close. And let's say now, if you know, probably a hundred percent of the listeners who probably don't like talking about this, many of them or some of them, uh, with regard to the end of days. But if you stop and think about it. And you you know of the uh, what the Bible states about the rapture, about before the tribulation period, uh, a bunch of individuals, quite a few, those who are saved or and and are in the book, <clears throat> get raptured out. Now, if you stop and think about it, and you have the United States here sitting here with 280 million people, supposedly 80 percent are christian let's say half of them uh get saved well you've just taken almost 150 million people what would happen to this nation if that were to happen just think about that for a minute there would be chaos in the streets and everywhere else wouldn't there lee 
Oh, yeah, and the fact that it is super, once any event like that happens, any, there, there is a fact that has been said over and over and over. The next time that, that our culture worldwide has gone too far, that the next time a totally visible God uh, based supernatural event happens, oh, it's on. The, this planet will, the whole planet will know it, and they're too far educated. There, there, there's no, there's no telling them it didn't happen. There's no telling they will, them they're just they stupid. They will explain it. They will they're, find they're, it. You ain't going to explain it away this time. <laughs> but the, the point you ain't, making, you ain't throwing a towel over this right. But the, the point, to stop and think about it so. for a minute, is because a lot of people wonder, well, where is the U.S. in prophecy? Uh, there ain't gonna be many people left to fight. It's right there. But don't forget, and I've said it before. I know the level of technology that that even I knew about when I saw it, the level of technology that existed at that point, the rest of the known world has 22 minutes to live if they have the the stupidity to start a fight with the United States. Well, that's it. That's true. That's according to who's in charge, though, okay? <laughs> it does, no, it, it doesn't matter because once it's initiated by... A certain methodology, mm-hmm. artificial intelligence takes over. There is no more. And that, there's you know, no more debate. That's a good point, Lee. That is a very good point, and it sort of feeds into what we read in Revelations. And I would urge you, if you haven't read it, Google signs the apocalyptic vision of the Daniel Project. It will be a wonderful nighttime read, uh, and it's an article I wrote back in 2012. It's still doing very well. And it was about the, uh, the the documentary or the movie, uh, the Daniel Project, and it speaks to all of these things that we're talking about right now. The other thing is, Lee, we didn't hit any of this news. We got 90 seconds left, so I tell you what, folks, if you're listening and you want to uh, see some of these news items, which are almost crazy, lots of them are, uh, then go to conservativerefocus.com and go to the news section. It's right across the top. You'll see news. And you'll see this show, and there's some pretty crazy stories in there, uh, the first of which is NASA's Curiosity rover snaps photo of a coffin-like object on Mars. Scientists claim peridilia, uh, which is uh, a mass delusion in essence. Uh, and fascinating stuff. That article is going nuts right now. Uh, so you can go there and you can read some of this, and you, you can't miss the Muslim going through the glass door. Trust me, folks. I've got the video in there. Uh, so go visit. We thank you for joining us. We'll be back here uh, Wednesday night. And uh, sorry we didn't do Christmas Eve, but you, you know we had too much going on, uh, and it was. But nice we did an, a little bit. We did play. a New Year's Eve apocalyptic show. There we go. We did, and we didn't get. Our we could have done four hours. There we go. We could have done four hours. So anyway, thank you so much for joining, Lee. Uh, enjoyed as always speaking with you, Cam. I know you don't feel well. Thank, thank you for manning the studio. Uh, as always, really appreciate it. For and folks, I hope you studio. have a blessed New Year. God bless you, and thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week. Take mm-hmm. care. Bye-bye.